Rinpoche first requests us to turn our hearts in loving care to the welfare of all beings and to give rise to bodhicitta, thinking that we will study Dharma in order to bring each and every sentient being uh, throughout the vast limits of space to utterly pure, totally perfect, precious enlightenment. And in our study of Dharma, in order to help other beings, then this afternoon we will be studying um, the chapter on uh, vows and commitments from Jangon Kontro's Treasury of Knowledge. But this having been said, we can't go through everything that's in that chapter. Um, there isn't the time during this course. Rinpoche said, even without having to use an interpreter, when he taught this in Varanasi in the college, it took a solid month to get through the chapter. So we need to look just at the main um, meaning. <coughs> Uh, the vows are very famously known as the three levels of vow. They're known as the three levels of vows because they are three sections of commitments which um, help, help us not to act in this life in a way which engenders suffering in a future life. In this life, we act through what are called our three doors, of body, speech, and mind. We act physically, we act verbally. Our mind's activity is also action. And uh, when these are not controlled, then uh, harmful actions in those three areas are what brings suffering in a future existence. So the whole point of these three areas of work, of commitment, of dedication, is to prevent suffering in the future. Mm-hmm. 
the sort of um, actions that these vows help us to control, to avoid doing uh, for the negative ones or to help us to do for the positive ones, um, these are the ones which, first of all, in this life, do harm. They do harm to their doer, to ourselves, and they're the sort of actions of we do with our body, with our speech, or the way we use our mind that harm ourselves, but also lead to harm to other people in this life. But not only that, those same actions don't just cause suffering now, they lead through the power of karma to the experience of suffering in the future. So in his great kindness, Lord Buddha has given us the means to avoid those sufferings in this life and in the future life. And the way he presented this is through on three different levels. Mm-hmm. These um, three areas are famously known as the vows or the precepts of self-liberation, or if we use the um, Sanskrit, the Pratimoksha vows. They are the Bodhisattva vows, and they are the Vajrayana vows, or the Tantric uh, vows. Um, It's three different areas of commitment, and of course if one can practice all three simultaneously, that is the best, but in themselves they cover three different areas of um, um, control. If we look at these three areas of vows, they're actually presented um, in the order of ease of practice. Um, So if we take the example of learning um, to read and write, then uh, the simplest things come first, learning the alphabet, A, B, C, and then one needs to learn how to put that together and gradually develop it into language. It becomes more subtle, more sophisticated. Very obvious things come first. So like this, the Pratimoksha vows are the easiest to understand and to apply. The Bodhisattva vow is more difficult and the Vajrayana vows are the most subtle and the most difficult. Mm-hmm. 
Apart from this sort of, I can say, formal presentation of the vows, just something to say very practically about them, is that at first sight, these vows don't look very enticing. Uh, it's don't do this, better not to do that, avoid this. Um, it's not the most attractive of things at first sight until one understands that actually it is there for our happiness. It is there um, to bring happiness. So a very good example of this is um, medicine or treatment when, when you're sick. If, if you are ill, then the medicine may not be very good tasting. It may, um, it may not be a very pleasant treatment. But if you know that that medicine is going to make you a better person, and then in the long term you're going to be uh, healthy because of it, then uh, you'll be very, very happy to take it. So in the same way, when we have these rules of discipline, which um, preserve us from entering some fields of action, which bind us to a certain dignity of conduct, at first, the strictness and the fact that um, some of the, how can you say, the nicer tasting things are um, proscribed. Isn't that the word? Yes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look so good, but then if you know that the long term result is happiness, then one will have a very different approach. <laughs> Uh,路东,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我,我
When we turn to the Bodhisattva vow, there, although it, it covers Bodhisattva commitments, cover body, speech, and mind, the entire focus is on the mind, um, not simply on the actions of body and speech. So there, one's understanding how uh, the sort of attitude that we have towards other people, um, physically, verbally, the way we think of them, whether we have uh, respect for their physical presence, the way we uh, think of them, uh, everything that happens in our mind with regard to others is the main focus because one realizes that uh, the cause of creating suffering for beings lies, the root of it lies in the mind and so the Bodhisattva vow is about, um, is about nurturing the mind which is behind the actions. The Vajrayana vows are also concerned with the mind, but in a different way. Rather than being concerned with the, uh, the superficial workings of the mind, the day-to-day workings of the mind, they're concerned with the nature of mind itself. They're concerned with mind itself. So whether that mind is being good, or whether it's being bad, whether it's thinking this, or whether it's thinking that, the Vajrayana vows are there to preserve an understanding, to nurture an understanding of the nature of true reality, the nature of mind itself. When we consider these vows, when we see actually what they, what they do, then they uh, bring happiness now in this life. They bring happiness for the future. They destroy suffering now. They destroy suffering for the future. They benefit us. They benefit others the happiness they bring is both provisional happiness and the ultimate happiness. Whichever way we look at them, there is nothing but goodness, there is nothing but the uh, removal of suffering and the awakening of happiness. Mm-hmm. Sambangamba, Joa Zapa, Senu Dujo, Ha Dujo, 
ตาติดิเจเดเนี่ยรงเยญิกาละเพ่นบามาตุโนปามันดิอ่ะตะนี้เนี่ยสุดมันทะปาโลปาตุปามายปายินบาซอนนุตุงเดเนี่ยรงเ
even the slightest bit of any of those harms. That's it, when every fraction of physical, verbal harm is gone, when the mind is without any of these um, uh, harmful things, uh, noxious things within it, and when that mind is totally at one with the true nature of reality, the very way that things are, that's what a Buddha is. That's when we do those things, we are automatically Buddha. It doesn't mean becoming some different type of something. Mm-hmm. When all of the suffering and the harm is gone, there's nothing but happiness. And so a Buddha is automatically, by very definition, uh, happiness. When, when every suffering, every distortion has been destroyed, completely removed, then there is nothing but natural happiness. Mm-hmm. We are sentient beings, and as sentient beings then, um, well, we have sometimes bad minds, and bad minds, bad motivation, they make bad actions, we're sentient beings, we have pride, we have attachment, we have aggression, we have jealousy, we have stupidity, and because of those things, then what we do brings suffering. We're sentient beings. We suffer because of those things. That's, that's how we are. And it's because we take the bad things sometimes to be good, the harmful things we think they're pleasant, that we are stuck in this uh, suffering. If we think who who got out of this suffering of being a sentient being, it's who got totally out of this suffering, the Buddha and the Buddha alone. And the Buddha was free from all of those things and showed us how to be free. 
And the road to that freedom from suffering is in the practice, and that is within us. It's particularly within our mind, how we use the mind. If we look more completely, it's how we use our body, speech, and mind. And it doesn't matter what's outside. It doesn't matter what possessions we have, uh, what the material circumstances of our life happens to be on the outside. Nothing from the outside can bring liberation from suffering like the Buddha found, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how wonderful, elaborate, complete, whatever. Nothing on the outside can do it. It has to be the work that's done within what we call ourselves, that is, within our body, speech, and mind, of which the mind is most important. And I think I forgot to mention in that last one, um, the Buddha is the one who found the total happiness and then it is by using our body, speech and mind that we can find um, the finest, the best happiness. As far as using the teachings in order to become happy are concerned, then there are different sorts of people, different sorts of Buddhists. Some have a more short-term perspective. They're thinking of, um, what, actually the way Rinpoche expressed it, is um, happiness now. Let's say shorter-term happiness. Um, others have a much longer-term view. They're planning for a really long-term happiness. And yet others, but just the way they are naturally, um, are very concerned for everybody. They, their thoughts stretch out to many, many, many other beings, maybe even to encompass the whole world. And their concern is how to bring happiness to everyone. People are different. Their attitudes, their motivations are different. There are so many different uh, attitudes and motivations amongst, uh, amongst Buddhists. 
and the teachings cater for all of these. They correspond to these different um, attitudes. And in particular, if we follow the teachings of um, the great master Atisha, then he's, he points to three types of Buddhist. And those three types of Buddhist um, are defined by really what inspires them. It's, it's the... Uh, uh, I think these days we probably say role model. It doesn't say that, but it's, it means that. It's who inspires you, who is your role model. So one group is inspired by the arhats, who gain total freedom from all of the um, problems and imperfections of the mind. A second group are defined by their role model, which is that of the bodhisattva, with all of the bodhisattva's compassionate activity and understanding. And um, so then the, the first group who are inspired by the arhats, they follow the what we could call the common way or the general way of Dharma, the lesser way, the common way. Those who follow the Bodhisattva's path follow the greater way of Mahayana. And those who are particularly inspired by the Buddha himself follow the way of Vajrayana. <laughs> three types of inspiration and practice, the first ones uh, particularly focus on the Pratimoksha. Mm-hmm. The word pratimoksha means uh, personal liberation. Prati means oneself, and moksha means liberation. And when we look at what this means, then it means that if we keep the, those vows, the Pratimoksha vows, then the person who keeps them will liberate, will become liberated. Liberated from what? Liberated from rebirth in any of the six realms. And if we take all the six realms together, we can say equally, re- uh, liberated from rebirth in samsara. So through that we understand um, liberate oneself, the vows of personal liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. The Pratimoksha vows are described in this particular presentation by Jambon Kontra through eight categories. First, we learn about their... It's their essence, which really means a definition. We're, we're defining what those vows are. It's called the essence. Uh, then we look at what's called the classes, the various um, details of each class of vows. Then we look at what's called the basis, which means the individual who is suited to take those vows. Then we look at the actual method through which the precepts or the vows are received. Then we see how once the vows have been taken, how to protect them from deterioration. Um, if they, and then next, if they have been deteriorated, how to restore them if something's gone wrong. Uh, the seventh area is the, I think it's the criterions, criteria for loss and losing the vow completely. And then eighth are the overall benefits of keeping the vows. Mm. So the first of these about the essence leads us to reflect on what are these vows, what is the, what are the nature of these precepts. Um, assuming that we're all Buddhists, so that means everyone has taken refuge, then these precepts which um, assume the basis of refuge then go from a layperson's precepts all the way through novice ordination uh, up to full ordination for men and for uh, women, if we use the word ordination, which isn't quite correct, but anyway, let's use it, because everyone understands it. Um, so then we need to understand what it means to, what, what the vow is, 
in its essence, what is this, um, how can you say, sacred bond? What is it that the vow really means? This inner commitment to a certain nature of goodness. We need to understand what it means, uh, to know very clearly what we have received and haven't received, how to receive it, what it means to receive it properly, from whom, through what ceremony, once you've got it, then how to preserve what you've got once you've got it, how to preserve it once you've got it, how to preserve it from deterioration, and um, when it's lost, you know, when, it, when, when you die, and this sort of thing. All of what exactly a vow is uh, needs to be thought about, what it, what it involves, what it implies. ロニキワトンデニエニーダニンジュンゴコニロンロニキワトンデニエキワトンデニエデナダデバトバトンデニエニーデニンジュンゴコニロンニポンドンホドンキエパタセンバテソソタビドミンゴレロニキワトンデニ
Karidina, soon so is the Dombachiori, Karidina, Rad the Sunda, Jabu Chipachimadu. Titonda Rad the Sun, Tennessee came Yore, Tarajina, the Njisoko, Sasanduari, the Soso Taban Romare. Ah, Ta, Nyawa, you don't Messi, Nadon, my composition, son, the Lemon, Sarasilidim, Soso Tari Dombamare, Tirina, Dombala, Dindaman of Piemondu. Then Nara said, ハティロルドンハモンドゥタティノンバソンジペタラキュマドンバヒュガナティドンハデメンドイレソンドンバヒュガナシシャグドンバアレディナドンバレイトチャシャンレレティソソタビドンバンチェンジバルマリモソタバ
This is a, an exceedingly important point. It's not just a, a trivial detail, not at all, because this defining characteristic that it is through a compassionate understanding of the nature of the six realms and through living the conduct in order to be free from that uh, is very important because when that's there then whichever of the various classes of precept one follows there are in all eight classes of Pratimoksha precept from lay precepts through to full ordination men and women and so on whichever one one follows if that defining characteristic is there then um, you have the Pratimoksha conduct if it's not there you just don't have it it, we can't call it a proper monk, a proper nun, a proper lay person. Um, now, if that's not there, then there is no longer the foundation for the bodhisattva vow. The bodhisattva vow relies upon the pratimoksha vows. So if the pratimoksha vows don't have their proper defining characteristic, whatever you're doing by way of a bodhisattva is, is voided. It can't work, it has no basis. And then, going on from that, everything that we do in Vajrayana Im- implicitly has the right Bodhisattva uh, commitment and the right Pratimoksha commitment as its foundation. So just as if you don't have the first floor of a building, you can't have a second floor and a third floor. If the Pratimoksha is not there, the rest just cannot simply exist. So this is why it's such an important point that uh, those vows need to have the proper spirit behind them. ตาเตตาบะกุญจุงกะซอมบาเตตาจินเจเมปะจิโยกะเลเรเตนะตางารองซะลากุนกะลิกะบุเรจินเจเมปะจิโวมาเรเตกะกะเรเรกะกะเม
a formal definition of taking, of acquiring the vow is concerned, then that, um, that motivation needs to be the reason why the vow is taken. If the vow is taken with that motivation, then the vow has been properly acquired. Um, it doesn't mean that that has to be, that motivation has to be perfectly maintained at all times, otherwise you lose the vow. With the case of the Pratimoksha vows, that, that's not true. Um, it's, that needs to be the motivation at the time of taking the vow. If that's the reason you take it, then you properly receive it, and after that, you have that vow. ตาเตยินดีเตลานอเอ่องารอโซดอมบาคิวิกาซะลาเอ่อนินจุกอซอมบาเตอ่าเลโอซีงารอเตนะกะลิคาบุยินจิเรงารอเตนดุเตนะ
In Rinpoche's own reflections, in his own observation of things, he thinks some people really do have the vows and that other people um, maybe don't really have them. They've, They've taken them, they've gone through the ceremony, but whether they really have what's really meant by the vow, which is this sacred bond with something or not, he doesn't know. And he said also, as far as scholars go, then there are actually two main streams of opinions amongst scholars. Some say that if you go through the motions of, um, you know, if you go through the ceremony and you observe the precepts afterwards, you, you do what you're supposed to do and you don't do what you're not supposed to do, then, um, then you have the vow. Other scholars say you, if you do that, you only have the vow if on top of that you have this defining characteristic which was mentioned earlier which is the reason for doing that was this understanding of the nature of samsara and the six realms so scholars disagree about whether actually somebody in essence has the vow or doesn't have the vow and uh, there now we have a 40 second break for changing the the <laughs> Forty seconds is a long time in Dharma. It's about forty on many per minute. ตั้งอารมณ์สกฤตสอนตรงกันอยู่ล่ะนะอ่าตั้งดวงนวลล่ะกฤตสอนเรล่ะนะอ่าจุงกาวตรงอย่างนี้เนาะกึ่งกาว
There's a, a story from the Vinaya which um, uh, highlights one of the points of this sort of controversy between the two ways. And it's the story of um, Ananda, uh, well, not of Ananda himself, but of some distant cousins of his. And these were two children that were orphaned um, as a result of a battle. Um, the whole family was wiped out in a battle except for these two tiny children. And um, Ananda was looking after them. In fact, he was going on his begging round and he was giving all of his food to these two children. So as the days and the weeks and the month went by, Ananda was getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And the Buddha was say, said to him, uh, what's happened to you? Because, you know, you, he's all shriveled up and thin. And he said, well, I'm, actually, I'm giving my food to these two little children. And so what they did is they um, ordained the two small children um, and then they could go out on the begging round because in those days, which is saying, it wasn't like in Tibet. In those days, people went out every day on a begging round to the houses and people were happy to give them food and to sponsor them. So then the two small children went out on the begging round and they got food but then there were only tiny children, and a lot of the time they were crying, and uh, you know they were very upset because they lost their family, and um, they weren't, how can you say, behaving like the sangha normally behaved, and complaints were received, and so 
it's after that that the rule was made that a child must be old enough to scare crows. It's a sort of a sign. At first they set an age limit and then they lowered the age limit. But anyway, to show that a child is grown up enough to make some sort of decision to know what they're doing, because these were very tiny, and they must be old enough to be able to chase away big crows. Um, so what we can see is that these children took the vows, and they probably kept them fairly okay. Now what happened much, much later on in their lives, they became arhats. So even though they took the vows without this defining characteristic of motivation, later on that defining characteristic came along, and they became arhats. You can't become arhats without the defining characteristic of the vows. It's impossible. It's a state of mind. So this is a good example about how even though at the time of obtaining the vows the motivation isn't there, later on the motivation can come. Mm-hmm. Then So whenever this defining characteristic of um, a compassionate understanding of the nature of samsara and a longing to be free from it, whenever that occurs, then we can call it pratimoksha or self-liberation vows that you hold. So even if you've already taken the ceremony, you wear the robes or whatever it is and you're keeping the conduct, from the moment that that attitude is also there, then it says you are a person who has now properly received, who properly holds the vow. Then we can call it pratimoksha, and you can be called a true renunciate. And Rinpoche thinks this is quite a convenient way of seeing it, because otherwise, if we say, that has to absolutely be there at the time of taking the ceremony, otherwise actually you didn't receive the vows in the first place, this could be really quite discouraging. And... uh, On the other hand, if we understand that we take the vows, whatever inspiration makes us do it, and then what we're looking for is that day when that true renunciation is there, which means it really is authentic pratimoksha in the true sense of uh, the word. And of course, if, if possible then when actually requesting and taking the vows, if that attitude is there, then that is excellent. Mm-hmm. If it's not there, then you can't be called, uh, it's a technical term, uh, somebody who holds the characteristic of the vows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so the thing to understand for uh, our own benefit whenever we take whichever class of the pratimoksha we do take uh, the thing to understand is that there are two factors that need to be present one has just been explained at some length which is this motivation uh, which gives us the definition of this word renunciation renunciate it's this renouncing of the suffering of the six realms of samsara this is one thing the second aspect is what we might call the pledge it's what actually takes place through the ceremony and through what you say so it's not just something that happens in the mind there needs to be a ceremony where with our mouths we make the pledge to that end and whether it's uh, refuge or lay precepts or any degree of ordination even though the ceremonies differ one to another with actually the words you say uh, they're all based on a threefold repetition of um, the refuge or the uh, precept formula and during the first two repetitions you don't have the vow you're requesting it and you're aspiring to it and it's with the third repetition and when the preceptor snaps the fingers it's at that moment that you receive the vow so this thing of i suppose we'd say passing through a formal ceremony it's uh, a verbal pledge needs to be there for you to have the vow so with those two factors the good motivation the properly performed ceremony then you have the vow deni talano temen sodatu kishen sodati namba ni ore ta te domba motun chipare somba mandabala tiani ritni chonore ki de karere dena ronye tabatozi kwali doni soni domba hina temen sodare nore As far as these uh, pratimoksha vows are concerned, there are two ways of taking them. There is the Hinayana way of taking them and the Mahayana way of taking them. The ceremony for both of those is the same. the motivation is different the hinayana way of taking the pratimoksha vow is to take it because one wishes oneself to be totally free from the sufferings of samsara the mahayana motivation or the bodhisattva's motivation 
is to take exactly the same commitments through the same ceremony, but with a motivation of wanting to do it in order to bring all sentient beings to freedom from the sufferings of samsara. So it's the motivation that differs, all the rest is the same. If we um, look at the subdivisions of the vows, the Patimoksha vows, then uh, there are eight main categories. Three of them concern lay people, and three of them concern monks and nuns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the actual words um, used are household, householder, householder, and renunciate. So there are three for householders and five for renunciates. The three for the householders are first um, the temporary vows, the ones that we observe uh, for one day fasting or two-day fasting. So they're temporary, they only last for a day or two, they're renewed day by day. And then there are the vows for life, uh, those vows for life uh, either for men or for women. So that makes two categories. Temporary vows, same vows for life, for men or for women, three categories altogether. together. <laughs> Gesela, Pamani, Ges Pamani. The Ni Geloma, the Geloma says it, uh, Gesma. The Ni Gelu Madre de Tirana Tipala, Domachison, Gondogre, the Incogenola, the Missandra, which you read, the Sam, the Ni Gelula, Opomoni, the Nanda Pamani, the Obarito, uh, Radishuala, Nadi. The, um, if we use the uh, if we use the Sanskrit words for those three, then you've got the oposita ones for the temporary vows, and the opasaka and opasika for the uh, lay people. Then there are five um, types of renunciate. There is novice monk, novice nun. There's what's called nun in training. And then there is a full monk, full nun. So these are the um, Shramanera, Shramanarika, and the Bikuni, Bikku and the Bikuni, and I forget the name for the nun in training. So this intermediate one for the nuns is after one's taken the um, novice nun's vows, then it's one stage between that and full nun ordination. <laughs> 
Yonder will you worry? Chambala, ni, rather shumala, ni. The ni chambala, yen yen lo jeba, the do gay yen ni. Sudo, hama meji. Hoya tenino, rather shumala yinana, gayseton, gay no sediment, tila, namajeba, nisi, gayser do gay no ni. This is the guanana, a yonder would eat. Chambala, ni, rather shumala, ni, yonder will you There's another way of um, making these into categories where we have two categories for lay people two categories for um, the renunciates. And so there, um, it's the, uh, those observing, we can say observing or training in the eight precepts as men or as women. So, and then for the renunciates, it's those on the way to being bhikkhus or on the way to being bhikkhunis. So then the novice is like a novice, it's a training. None in training is in training. It's What's on the way to becoming a monk or becoming a nun? That is what I read yet, Ganola. Tell you, Bajid, don't even meet it. Tino Niki, tell you by man, Rosie Caridina, Nini and Logibat. The tell you by Marie, Caridina, you got tricky in a Marie. Soon you mamma, I get your father, singing If we go back to the eight that we just had, the three lay precepts and the five renunciates ones, then of those eight, seven of them are called vows, uh, held by, uh, vows with defining characteristics. You can say one, someone who has those is someone who holds the vow with its defining characteristics. That's seven of them, the last seven. The first one, which are the one-day precepts for fasting, they only last for a day. So we can't say that that person now has the defining characteristics. We don't apply that for the one-day vows. The other ones are taken from the time you take them until the, the time you die. So providing the vows are not broken, then we can say that person uh, has, is a person holding the vows with the right characteristics. Tabatosi, Tondo Hilly, Tango, 
The details of these um, eight precepts to observe as a householder or the various precepts to observe as a renunciate um, we will look into more tomorrow. Um, what we'll look at next this afternoon is uh, the fact of whichever one of those seven, no, one needs to have one of those seven lasting commitments as a basis for the Bodhisattva vow and then automatically as a basis for Vajrayana vows. It doesn't matter which one it is, but one needs to have taken at least one of those seven levels of precepts before uh, the Bodhisattva vow is effective and any Vajrayana vow is effective. Without one of those seven, one cannot be a practicing bodhisattva or vajrayana practice. It's as simple as that. As far as actually having the pratimoksha so that you do authentically have the basis for those next two stages, then there are two factors which define having the vow. First, that there has been this defining characteristic of renunciation. Renunciation is very important, and even if it can't be foremost in the mind all of the time. It needs to be the driving force behind the vow, as we've seen, especially at the moment of taking the vow. There's this real renunciation from the six realms of samsara. This is one thing. Then the second thing is um, the presence of mind that you hold that commitment. It's to know that you lose it when you die, but now you've taken it properly that at this moment um, I, I am bound to or I'm supported by. However it's seen, it's an acknowledgement of that being within one. So when those two things are, are present, then you are an authentic holder of the vow and then that can become a basis for the uh, Bodhisattva vow and Vajrayana Samaya. So we'll leave the formal talk there for this afternoon and Rinpoche invites your uh, questions. で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、
ตันโรตังหารุงทงเจตระอะนี่มาตาฮลาโตจีญาวาโตตะทะเยโตเตตุอืมอ่าสงจีจันเนติกะกะนอมาตินาหารุงทงมันติยินเตยินายุมะโต
where were we? Uh, was about how to uh, how can we increase renunciation? I think the answer more or less gave the question, but anyway, that was the question. And then this one is that uh, um, although people know about suffering, nevertheless they're through habit addicted to their patterns of suffering. So even though they know it's suffering, they still do it. Is it? Doesn't lead you to renunciation. Sorry, I didn't get it because well, you're, you're saying you've seen suffering. Well, if I understood correctly, at first, Rinpoche said, that's really true. 
There are lots of people who witness suffering on a daily basis, but they don't necessarily have renunciation. But then he said, but surely there isn't anyone on earth, there isn't anyone at all, who once they're aware of what the suffering is, doesn't want to get rid of it. And he gave an example of stabbing a knife into his knee. He says there's nobody who, if they had a knife stabbed into their leg, wouldn't want to take it out. There's nobody, if their hair caught fire, they wouldn't be sitting there thinking, oh, my hair's catching fire. They'd be doing something about it straight away. If you're really sick, then you get yourself quickly to a doctor or to a hospital if you really understand the, the suffering. So, um, so I won't say any more because he didn't put those two together but he says surely when you really understand what the suffering is then you do something about it there's nobody who wouldn't do anything about it once you really know what the suffering is Pena <laughs> Tendri so having established the point that really nobody wants suffering, um, there's nobody who would want suffering and everyone would like to get rid of it. But the difference is in the understanding of what that suffering is and in the method for getting rid of it. For instance, um, somebody might be drinking alcohol a lot. They might be um, smashed out of their brains and looking happy, but that's a very short-term solution. It's not a long-term solution, but it might feel like a solution in the, in the moment to the, to the suffering. And uh, so this two things. One is in understanding what's causing the suffering. This causes a difference in how you react to it. And Everyone wants to get out of it, but then how do you get out of it? One is understanding what's the real cause of the suffering. And then the second is in how much wisdom there is in the method, the method that's being applied to um, alleviate the suffering. So then there, people will be different. And... Um, Pena 
你看用眼巴他去哈国去我们那里弄把手机把眼不用我们那里先给别摸摸的啊我你眼罗子打弄把手机把眼看去了可能工作的原来先嘛是那可能我们那里嘛嘛都手机和手机和那那先见看穿了
so in order to take the Bodhisattva vow, one needs at least one needs one of the seven types, any one of the seven types of Pratimoksha vow, and whichever one it is, it needs to have been formally taken through a ceremony. ดิสอเรอ๋อเหรอโรตุกิโกนิเลตะสอเรสวะทะกะดอมบายินะโรตุกิโกนิเลมะตะสอเรอืมจองยงกะโกโรดอมบายเนตุสิจระอ๋อต
So, for instance, when we um, receive the Vajravarahi uh, uh, or Chakrasambhara empowerments and so on, then at the beginning there's the taking of refuge three times, there's the bodhicitta three times, then there's the taking of the various samayas for the five Buddha families and so on. Uh, all of that before the actual empowerment, which then has its own samaya uh, that goes with for somebody who's received the empowerment. Um, so either somebody's taken the basic steps separately and then they build up on that when they go to bodhicitta or the vajrayana or else it's included when they take the bodhicitta or the vajrayana ceremony. ペナンドドマボタテディシェオチシェチュレディテテシェンレンロレディマテラディテメンテディテカンジュイマドテイコチェテシェンソタリガレレンロレディニラオチェパイカハヨレインジェトソタリソタリドンガノニレティエナヨ
Pombo. Tenni te nem dacia az. Tehát kegyre legre. Mondja, hogy az a tíz, hogy Tényleg nem a tézon a kombonra, hogy jó, tehát pigyába csalzunk, kilógatjuk, akkor dondoljuk. Tényleg dondolja. Csak kezdődik innen, mert nem is jöttem. Pácsi, én nem tudom, hogy a tíz komoly jó, mert a kombonra jó, de tíz kilósira jó, mert a kaszonyi gyógy, akkor jó, akkor dondoljuk. Long time ago, a long time ago he had hair. A long time ago he was thin. Injila fe magajerna wira de na sakokine. No super mo mo can't understand why these Westerners think it's not good to be fat. <laughs> can't see anything wrong with it myself. <laughs> bit more difficult to walk around, but not bad. Oh. <laughs> うん、てにロ、ちょっとんちゃいけら、ペシャタニュ。うん。いいよ。あ、げげ。そんちょそかけらてやにゅ。たがげげのキパマトシロメ。てにな、ペシャペ、よんぺもぼたにゅ。んど
And for himself, he has absolutely zero plans for making money, establishing organizations, having his own monasteries or set up. Uh, he says all he's really interested in is if anywhere there can be some benefit for somebody, then uh, that's where he'll go. And uh, the rest he's just not at all interested in. Uh, he doesn't feel he needs to set up his own monastery, doesn't feel he needs to go where the people make big offerings or anything like that. <laughs> So, if he feels there's some benefit for us in him coming here, he's happy to come back in the future. But um, if he feels that what he's doing isn't really changing anything, then uh, he says he's not interested to come back. ตาตาเชรอนรสอมันมามายินาตาชิจาเลซาติเปยะปุโนฮะตินิเทนฮิโอตะกะชิจาจากะมุบอลังกะซอนอีติตาอังกะเชรอนจิบอมันติอังกะ
Oh, <laughs> 